Hello there, and welcome to my podcast. I'm Connie. I'm a certified nutritionist, personal trainer, busy mom, and I live on a small hobby farm. I'm a former bodybuilder, and I currently have found a love for endurance sports, but I'm not your typical athlete. I believe there are many more contributors to athletic performance and overall health, and that we as a population might be doing it wrong. You won't see me pounding goose or chicken and rice, but you will see me in the pursuit to fuel not only athletic performance, but also balance it with optimal health. This is not just a podcast for athletes. Many people that fall into the health scene get there for a reason. I found myself in suboptimal states at multiple times in my life, and it has really sparked my passion for metabolic and systemic health. I'm constantly a student of what I love, and now I hope to help others by bringing quality guests to the show to share their opinions and resources to hopefully help you formulate strategies to help you crack your health code. Welcome, welcome, friends, back to another episode. I am so excited to get you guys all on here today because I have someone on the podcast that I have been trying to get a hold of and get on this podcast for quite some time. She's an extremely busy lady. She's been writing books and doing all sorts of things and has had very limited time. So finally, I have her here and I'm so excited because she's going to talk all about polyunsaturated fats, why it's actually making us fat and how it's making us hungry and also messing with all of our metabolic functions. We also talk a lot about the medical industry um, and why they are kind of hindering people's success when it comes to health. So uh, we kind of start out the conversation with a lot of that, and then we dive deep into polyunsaturated fats and why they are affecting our ability to lose weight and get healthy. So for today, I have Dr. Kate Shanahan on the podcast. Yes, so excited. She is a board-certified family medicine MD who has become a globally recognized metabolic health expert by changing the nutrition conversation. If you heard that vegetable oils are slow poison and that bone broth is part of a healthy diet, that's thanks to Dr. Kate's influential books, blogs, and work with the LA Lakers and other legendary sports franchises. Her 2020 book is called The Fat Burn Fix, and it is a New York Times bestseller, and her 2008 self-published classic, Deep Nutrition, was updated in 2017 with Macmillan and is available in a dozen languages. You guys, it's easy to find her, drkate.com. She also has a shopping list on there for polyunsaturated fat, free foods of all kinds. So I'm so excited to have her on here. We have a great conversation. Bear with us. The beginning, we kind of talk about the medical system and things like that, but I promise you will get value out of this conversation with Dr. Kate Shanahan.
Dr. Kate, welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to have you on today. Um, you have so much stuff going on. It's incredible, including your book, The Fat Burn Fix. I have been following you for quite some time, and I am so excited to have you here to talk about polyunsaturated fats and fat in general, because it's something that has gotten a really bad rap over the years, and people are literally scared of it. And then when they do eat it, they're eating the wrong kinds more, more often than not. So I'm hoping we can kind of dive deeply into this subject today and get my listeners all informed on healthy fats and what they should avoid. And I think it's going to be an awesome talk. Great. Well, thanks for having me on your show, your show Connie. I'm so excited about uh, being here and I just love what you're doing <laughs> because, you know, the, one of the reasons that folks get into troubles because we haven't been paying attention to, to fat, but also we just haven't been paying attention so much to food in general. So, you know, living on a farm and hopefully what you're doing is, you know, helping get people excited about just producing more of their own food, because the more you do that, the less you have to even think about, you know, polyunsaturated versus saturated and so on. That's really, that's really just a great way to go. So yeah, so fats, uh, most folks are, just afraid of fat in general, because we've been ordered to be afraid of it by some kind of fake science that's been coming out of the American Heart Association for over 50 years now. And it's, it's, it's fake. It's, oh, wow, we're having some drama back here with my cat. I don't know if it's being picked up. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, the, uh, last about 30 seconds, if you have cats, you know, they have mm -hmm. a short attention span. Um, they're not like that, you know, they're not like the Scottish and the Irish have been at war constantly. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, they, uh, the American Heart Association, uh, started telling us that saturated fat was bad in the fifties right after they got an infusion of $1.7 million from a company that sells Crisco made from seed oils. Now, how horrible that is, I hope to make clear by the time we're done talking, because um, what that did was it, it made us a, a convince people that butter and eggs and bacon and stuff that comes straight from a farm, normal food um, is causing heart attack, was going to cause people's heart attacks. And over the last three generations, like 50, 70 years, uh, gradually folks have changed the way that we eat so that we're getting less and less of that fat, less and less of the saturated fat. And just so much of these seed oils, it's insane. Um, the average person, if I've done my calculations right, and it's not just me, I'm basing them off a lot of other people's work, a quarter cup a day, a quarter pound, four ounces a day of seed oils. That's insane. Most people don't even know what they are. So yeah. that's 800 calories. Now that's the average person. That means some people might be getting more. People who watch their diets at least a little bit are probably getting less, but um, the seed oils are like soy, uh, corn, canola, cottonseed. There's also a term called vegetable oil. It's kind of like the blanket term when the manufacturer doesn't even list the specific 
oil he's using on the ingredients list. It's just because they're all basically the same, you know, functionally, they serve the same function in the food manufacturing process. But these things are, are actually um, really unhealthy. I mean, the tricky part for some folks is that our bodies can't make a certain kind of fatty acid that's in these seed oils. And so that's why dietitians will tell you, oh no, they're healthy because your body can make saturated fat. So you don't need to eat it. Your body can make cholesterol. So you don't need to eat it, but it can't make these polyunsaturated fats that are in seed oils. So that's all you should eat. And, and that's basically where we're at because most people get 80% of their fat calories from these seed oils. And that leaves only 20% to come from actual food. These seed oils are so refined, they're really not food, they're factory products. They look like motor oil. They, look, they would be identical um, if you put them side to side, fresh motor oil. It's the same kind of sickly pale yellow. They're actually clear because they've been bleached, but they add a color back to it because it doesn't look good to, like, to call something food and oil when it's clear. Um, so that's the story of how much we're eating and the story of why we're eating it is because the American Heart Association gets money from people who want to sell those products. Mm -hmm. And what does that do to us? Well, uh, I have on my website, one of the pages that um, uh, is kind of like ripped from my book. There's a graph that shows the lines of how much seed oil we've been consuming over the past hundred or so years um, and the lines of type two diabetes. And they're just absolutely in parallel. And a lot of folks don't realize that, um, you know, carbohydrate consumption, eating carbs, like eating starchy foods, eating sweets, that's not good for you. It's going to, it's because you can eat a lot of empty calories and make you gain weight. Mm -hmm. But what actually seems to be causing diabetes is these seed oils. And that's what I talk about in the Fat Burn Fix, my latest book, which is the whole idea of you get diabetes if you gain weight. It's not that. It's you're gaining weight because you're in the process of getting diabetes. And that process makes you, gives you this like insatiable hunger. So even if you are only pre-diabetic, you are already, you're down pretty far down a, a road, a metabolic road towards all the complications of diabetes. So I, I don't know if you have a lot of diabetics that, or there are people talking about diabetes on your show, but diabetic complications, complications include heart attacks and strokes. Mm -hmm. So the American Heart Association is giving people advice to consume these kinds of fats that actually give them heart attacks and strokes. So it's great for business. And they, and they, they by the way, don't, they don't just get money from um, big food manufacturers. They get money from the pharmaceutical industry, from the hospital industry, from the health insurance industry. Um, so in my view, they are like the death star of health, right? Like if, if uh, this was Star Wars um, <laughs> and uh, uh, there was uh, good guys and bad guys, um, the American Heart Association is, is basically that, that death star. They, that's where all the troopers of misinformation come from. And it's a huge, huge, massive force. And, and the folks like us who are trying to get the word out, the truth, uh, we're those rebel forces that are, you know, the odds are stacked against us, but we're doing it anyway, because it's the right thing. 
Right. And all of this kind of seemed to stem from um, like one person's opinion on something that was um, Ansel Keys, correct? Um, yeah, it was his, uh, his Ansel Keys was on the cover of Time magazine in 1961, saying that his research showed heart attacks were caused by saturated fat. And at the time, other people were questioning, okay, well, what about cigarettes? Mm -hmm. What about, you know, what about people who have high blood pressure? Um, and he said that that stuff was maybe, you know, maybe it played a role, but the main thing was saturated fat. And he, you know, he just started talking about it. He didn't have the data to support it, but Wait. he... Which is there. hilarious because he's the developer of K-rations and part of a K-ration was cigarettes. And so we know how toxic cigarettes are to us now. He said they were okay. He demonized um, polyunsaturated fats and he, or I mean, sorry, he demonized Promoted. saturated fat and didn't want us eating any kind of animal fats or butters or anything like that. Yet he thought cigarettes were okay. And now we know that cigarettes will straight up kill you. So why is the, why has this stuck through years of society? It's been the mainstream thing and it like stuck so hard that everybody is in extreme fear of having fat in their diet when fat is extremely healthy to so many things. It, yeah, exactly. And it stuck so hard, partly because Ansel Keys was hugely influential in, with the American Heart Association. And the American Heart Association, you know, if you're not a doctor, you don't really think about the American Heart Association and, and what they do. But if you are, especially if you're a cardiologist or, um, you know, you're into uh, stroke prevention, uh, you are reading their journals. They put out like thousands of articles every single year in their dozens of journals that they produce. They're basically a powerhouse of nutritional disinformation that's just constantly, constantly repeating the message. Saturated is fat, fat is bad because it raises your cholesterol and cholesterol clogs your arteries. They're just repeating it over and over. And it's totally a Mussolini thing. The more you just repeat the lie, the more it's just becomes a truth. And, um, and it's been working, but it was never true. And so like people tell me, you know, they, they express their frustration with this little, well, I hear this, you know, from these folks and this opposite thing from these other folks. And I can't tell what's true. You have to know who's talking to you and you have to, I'm sorry. <laughs> Holy smokies. They are not happy. Yeah. They're kind of new. We've had them for a month and they don't have enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> they're kind of like us when we're talking about all of these things you know that's a diet war yeah, exactly. it's like a diet war <laughs> yeah so exactly funny. it's going on longer than usual so um the uh the 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 thing is that the the myth won't it's it's a myth that won't die because it's constantly being promoted right so it's um the, the folks get kind of confused though, because they're hearing like these two sides that, with these opposite opinions on saturated fat and polyunsaturated fat, right? There's, there's my side, which says there's no problem with saturated fat. Too much polyunsaturated fat can kill you. It's what's killing most Americans. And then there's the other side, which is most doctors and uh, the, the folks who have all the access to all the mainstream media right? They're the ones on national public radio. They're in the New York times. I can't get in the New York times. I was on, actually, I was on real time with Bill Maher. And after that, um, real time with Bill Maher is really, really popular. Like I had like a million people on my website in the, in the next couple of days. 
uh, they shut my books down. So they stopped, uh, they, they were not available on Amazon for six weeks. Mm-hmm. Well, so, you're seeing that happening a lot right now, actually. There's a lot of big people that are in the health movement and trying to change the way our, our society thinks about health and change our medical system and do all these things. And these people are top researchers. They know what they are talking about and they're putting stuff out there and their, their full social medias are being deleted. Like Dr. Mer- Mercola, they are censoring him on so many place platforms and stuff. You can't find him. And so there is something going on with all this um, stuff where they are censoring people that are trying to get good, good quality knowledge out there. Yeah, so it's kind of really, um, you know, who, who are the people that you're listening to, right? And so if, if you're being censored, chances are pretty good you're saying something that powerful people don't want you to say. And it's probably not out of the kindness of their heart that they're keeping, they're keeping it quiet. I mean, censorship is one of those things that should be a red flag about that person's values and their heart and, you know, what they're trying to accomplish. So, uh, but that's why, like, what I'm saying is like, you got to know who you're talking to, who are you listening to? And when you're listening to Harvard, you're listening to a bunch of companies that um, started, you know, started funding the American Heart Association a a long time ago. And when you're listening to the American Heart Association, you're listening to people who are, who are basically okay with um, cigarette smoking, Um, even though. Ansel Keys was the first person to collect data showing that cigarette smoking correlated with more heart attacks, like countries where there was more cigarette smoking, they had higher rates of heart attacks. He was the first person to collect that data and he started collecting in like the late forties. And he didn't publish it until 1980, but he had the data. And in fact, he probably never would have published it were it not for the fact that, um, it was starting to look bad that the American Heart Association was uh, was basically con- behind the eight ball when um, the American Cancer Society and the American Lung um, Associations were saying cigarette smoking is bad. So they just kind of like came late to the game just because it was going to look pretty bad if they were essentially keeping quiet, meaning promoting cigarettes, right? Mm-hmm. So, but those are the people. That's that's who Harvard says we should be listening to. So, right, when you when you look online and you Google stuff, you, you often you go to Harvard, you go to Tufts, you go to these institutions um, that are supposedly, you know, the best of the best, but they're, they're, the truth is very different from that. The truth is that it's not like the smartest people, it's the savviest people who just want to have, you know, their name out there and want to be able to get on shows like Real Time with Bill Maher just at the snap of a finger. Because that's what, what happened to me, actually. I, I, don't, I don't know if you watched the show, but three weeks after I was on, so, so for years, Bill Maher has been talking about nutrition. He's, it's a passion of his. He's not had a doctor on to talk about it, though, um, until till me. Like, he might have had a doctor on years and years ago, but then he had me on. And three weeks after me, he has another doctor on from Tufts right? That one of these like salt and pepper haired, really kind of good looking. Um, if I weren't a doctor, I would play one on TV types. And, um, and he just kind of negated everything that I said. He did his best to kind of crush down the momentum of, yeah, you stay away from seed oils and you really improve your chance of surviving coronavirus, not to mention all these other diseases. 
Um, and, uh, and so this other guy comes on from Tufts and says, well, you know, a lot of people are not metabolically healthy. We just need to move more and be eating more fruits and vegetables. And, and then you go to his website and what kind of fats are they promoting? He says, we need to also be eating more vegetable oils. So it was like, I really, really would love to know like why they had him on three weeks later. What was the real story behind that? I mean, was it just basically to, to sh shut the conversation down and set the record straight, you know, mm -hmm. once and for all? It, don't listen to this doctor from Cornell who's um, working, you know, for a, a small company. Listen to Tufts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's, we can kind of segue here into that because um, the thing is, is all of these processed seed oils and stuff are ca causing a large amount of inflammation and inflammation is what is causing many of us to be sick. Um, so we can kind of go down that, um, also just talking about, um, like you talk about the four aspects of fat burning systems. And so how my listeners can start to improve the quality of the food that they are taking in and try to avoid, um, taking in these fats that are so unhealthy for them. Right. So the number one thing to, to do is memorize the list of the most common seed oils and start looking for them. So you can get a clue. How are they getting into your body? Um, so the, the list to memorize, there's three C's and three S's. So the C's are corn, canola, cotton seed, soy, sunflower, safflower, and then the term vegetable oil, which is like a blanket term for, we don't really know what's in there. We don't really care. Um, and those you'll find them in uh, like mayonnaise, you'll find them in peanut butter, you'll find them in frozen meals, you'll find them in organic meals. You can find them in Trader Joe's and Whole Foods Market. And that's why I was censored because I specifically said, because when Bill Maher said, um, you know, most people can't afford to shop, uh, do all their shopping at Whole Foods. I said, well, don't think that you're safe there because you look at all the ingredients. It's just like any other store. Their, their chips, most of them have seed oils in them. Their uh, salad dressings, most of them have seed oils in them. So you have to read ingredients everywhere. And it's hard for a lot of folks over 50 because they're so tiny, you can't really see it, right? So you gotta be like in there inspecting with them. What are you gonna do like an inspector Clouseau with a magnifying glass routine? It's gonna take you hours to shop. And yes, that's what people tell me is that it took me hours to get through the grocery store. So what I did was I put together a list, a shopping list, basically, of the brands to look for and, um, you know, uh, certain, especially in, so I'm, I'm based in Florida, so especially based in like the South here um, with Publix and a couple other stores. So I, I have that on my website. It's a free resource that for available for folks. Awesome. Um, yeah, so it really helps a lot of people. But that's that's the thing is the first step is just taking a look and seeing how these things are getting into your body. And um, the thing to remember about like why they're bad is exactly inflammation. They're, it's inflammation in a bottle. It's like a, uh, a pack a day of cigarette smoking for every maybe like ounce that you consume is equivalent to a pack a day of cigarette smokes. Um, and the average person remembers having somewhere around four ounces. So that's four packs a day. This is destroying our health. It absolutely destroys our metabolism. It's completely, that amount of these things is completely incompatible with good health. And that's how we're in this situation where a fairly 
ordinary virus, a coronavirus, is now basically taking over the world because we're we can't tell who's going to drop dead from it. I mean, we could tell if they were to ask uh, folks who study metabolism, we'd be like, okay, well, it's the super obese, right? Super morbid obesity. That's a huge risk factor. Uh, people with fatty liver, people with low cholesterol, low cholesterol are more likely to die than people with high cholesterol. And this all comes hugely, mostly from the seed oils. So there's other factors too. I mean, we overeat, but the seed oils make us overeat. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we crave sugars and sugars are addicting, but the seed oils make all that craving and that addiction impossible to resist because it messes up your metabolism, messes up the way you, your brain even um, sends signals for what to be hungry for. That it's, it just totally changes the way the human body works. And it makes it, it makes it basically impossible to really be a healthy human. Like, I don't know if this is part of why, do you, what do you grow in your farm? What kind of vegetables? Um, so mostly it's for my own family. So I usually have an entire garden with everything under the sun in it. Um, so like tomato, tomato, take a oh, tomato. Yeah. yeah. So your tomatoes versus like a tomato at like, what's a, a local grocery store chain near you? Um, yolks. <laughs> I never heard of yeah. that one. Yeah. Uh, you look at those tomatoes in the grocery store and you pick them up. And if no one's looking, give it a little sniff and see if it smells like anything. Usually, you, they don't even look like your tomatoes, I bet. No, no, they don't. And the, But the thing I've learned um, through gardening and stuff is I have to source my seeds from um, good places as well because the genetic, um, I mean, just the way they've changed things over amounts of time um, has completely changed the flavor of stuff. So um, moving towards more heirloom seeds, things that um, have actual flavor because they haven't been screwed with a lot by, by other right. people, you know? Right. Well, what I talk about in deep nutrition is really, really pertinent to this because your tomatoes look different than real tomatoes. Um, the genetics of the, your tomatoes are different than real tomatoes. That's what's happened to us. We look different than we used to. A hundred, well, not even a hundred years ago. Look at a movie, any movie that was filmed in the seventies and you'll see people walking around on any city street. They look like athletes. I mean, they're lanky, right? They look fit. And now any city street and it's, we're all overweight. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. I know um, I took my child to the local amusement park. We have a really big one that's close to us. Um, I took her there for the day and the amount of morbid obesity was blowing my mind. I almost couldn't even look at it. It was stressing me out because that's how I think, right? And I was like, man, if these people only knew, but they're sitting on the benches and they're consuming these giant funnel cakes fried in who knows what. Um, and then ice cream and then their kids are obese that's the worst part kids did not used to be obese like they are now and they're running around and everybody is so afraid to hurt their feelings that they don't want to teach them stuff and they don't want to know they put the blinders on and they ignore it and they don't care they just want to eat that funnel cake who cares if my child has type 2 diabetes when they're 12 they just don't want to know. And the, the society we're living in has gotten extremely scary. And like you said, it's no wonder that we are struggling from this small virus that's turned large because everybody is so metabolically unhealthy. Their body cannot, t they can't, can't fight anything. One of the scariest things about children who are overweight is what does that do to their brain? One of the 
it, aside from like the, the, I have a whole chapter in deep nutrition on how seed oils destroy your brain, but let's say that wasn't even happening. Just being overweight as a child, you have tiny little airways here. And if you're significantly overweight when you're laying down, those little airways collapse. And when you, the child is trying to inhale, they essentially don't get air. They're like suffocating, right? And that's called sleep apnea. That's a condition that is common in overweight adults, but it's almost 100% in overweight children. And so few overweight children are getting tested for it because they don't snore loudly. Um, and we just don't think about it. We just, it doesn't occur to the doctor to bring it up. And it's um, what sleep apnea does is deprive you of oxygen, right? So that's not good when your brain is developing. And so they've done studies that show that children who are overweight, almost all of them have sleep apnea. And every child with sleep apnea has a significantly lower IQ. On average, 15 points. That's big because 15 points is a standard deviation. If you go from an IQ of 100 to an IQ of 85, that takes you from being, say, you know, um, an A student to a B student on a curve when you grade it on a curve. That means you're never going to be able to be uh, you know, it's a standard deviation takes you from one grade to another. It takes you, um, two standard deviations take you out of the normal range, right? So if you, if you are, um, if your IQ is two standard deviations down, that's considered mentally not, you know, you're going to have problems. And if it's above two standard deviations, then that's considered genius. I mean, so one standard deviation is a big move and fit those 15 points are huge and that's average. So some children have more deficits. Of course, some escape that miraculously and don't have any deficits. But I want to talk about the two types of tomatoes, right? Because, you know, it looks different. It tastes different. It has different nutrition and it's genetically different. We are very analogous to that tomato. So we look different and we often forget to go past the the weight right just the volume we are bigger but what else has changed and this is one of the things that i found really um disturbing when i was doing the research for my first book deep nutrition um what else has changed is our very skeletal structure the shapes of our bones and the shapes of our face so you can see my face here the reason i need glasses is a genetic it's not a genetic thing it's uh, because my grandparents, all four of them, perfect vision. Um, and the reason I had to have a bunch of teeth pulled, pulled same deal. All, none of my grandparents did that. It's because of nutrition. And I didn't get good nutrition at some point in my development, whether it's epigenetically before I was even conceived or during pregnancy or early in life. So the, I didn't get the proper development of so many things about my face. Like, so my eyes are not the right shape. So I need to wear glasses. Um, and that's reflected that lack of adequate nutrition is reflected in the fact that my bones here are like, they're asymmetrical. Like one eye is bigger than another. And my jaw, my lower jaw is a lot smaller than my upper jaw. So my whole face is kind of narrow and it's it's kind of like asymmetrical also. And then that's just the beginning was where I'm really messed up. You can't even see, but it, you can see it on an x-ray. It's my 
my low back and my hips. And I have my whole life suffered with, well, not my whole life, but starting from like age 12, I started having hip pain, even though I was an athlete, I could run. Uh, but that ended my running career, you know, by the time I was 18, even though I was really competitive, um, I, I got invited to the Olympic trials um, in uh, 1980. But, uh, but my career was basically over just a few years after that, because I had, because of my, my nutritional deficits that go, that stem not just from my lifetime, but even from my parents. And so that's where it gets kind of really creepy. I mean, it's fascinating and it's important to understand the, but it just kind of shows people the power of making that nutritional choice. And, and we are basically diverging into weird different form of the human species where we, we have people who by luck or by design, um, their parents fed them well, and they're so much healthier than, than the people who had the bad luck. Um, and, and their lives are just like, the experience of being human is now more diverse than ever before. Cause we have people who are like super athletes they are in the NBA, they're super tall. They can do anything they want with their bodies. They're Olympians. Um, that's genetically, you know, good momentum. They got fed well when they grow, they have plenty of protein, they got tall. And, and then we have people that are, are um, never going to be like even as tall as their parents, because unfortunately they didn't get anywhere near as much protein during their gestation. And then they were fed on like formula, infant formula. I mean, they just don't stand a chance. And this, is, this isn't to judge people. This is to say, this has to stop. And if we can't even talk about it and understand it, we can't stop it. It's going to get worse. It's going to get to the point where children can't live without medications. And we're getting pretty close. We're getting like massive numbers of asthmatic um, children, massive numbers of diabetic children. And part of this, even like that kind of makes it like a vicious cycle, children who can't eat food, right? I mean, how many kids do you know now that have allergies to a long list of foods and there's like three things they can eat? So they're like trapped, right? Now they're trapped. How can they ever escape? That's happening for a reason. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's not a mystery. And it's not just stuff that we can't do anything about, like glyphosate and GMOs and all that kind of stuff is we can't take those out of the world. But we can take seed oils out of the world and we can do our best to learn what real human nutrition is and get it into our bodies. Absolutely. And I love that you actually use that analogy. Um, one place where I've noticed I see it a lot is when I go to pick my kids up from school, um, the, the population has gotten smaller and you did just say that. I've noticed that um, the maturity has also changed too in, in different ways, right? So people are smaller and they're, they're less developed physically, but hormonally they're more developed. Um, I mean, to me, what I used to see in high school was somebody that looked like an adult 
Um, sometimes maybe you would even have a hard time telling if they were an adult or not, like <laughs> coming from a, like, say you want to go buy booze or, or cigarettes right. <laughs> um, aspect. Um, and now kids that are in high school, a lot of them look like they're still preteens or middle school. They're very small and underdeveloped, yet they're hormonally, they're overdeveloped. So there's a, a big um, problem with balance there, especially. It's crazy. Yes. I mean, there are stories of like six-year-olds that are starting to go through puberty. And what's happening there is something that happens on islands and, um, you know, to, to animals that are trapped on islands and don't get enough of the food that basically the species shrinks. Or if there's an enormous amount of food, the opposite happens. So like we have these giant turtles, but then there's a pygmies, humans that were discovered, um, uh, like bones of humans that were about three feet tall from an island somewhere in the South Pacific uh, around 18,000 years ago. And they thought that they were a different species. They didn't think they were homo, homo sapiens, but then they realized, no, they, they were. It's just that they were restricted in their protein for so long that the whole race became dwarfed. And that's just, that's just um, you know, the, the way nature works. That's how epigenetics works. Your genes are, are so intelligent that they learn what, you know, they're, they have, a, it's like they have a strategy. Gee, we're not getting a lot of nutrition, not a lot, of, not a lot of protein, not a lot coming in here. I don't think we can make these people as big as we did last time around. So let's kind of dial everything back a little bit. Um, and you do that generation after generation and you get, you know, three feet tall humans, but we're starting that now. It's been three, four generations where, where the average woman doesn't get anywhere near adequate nutrition, not to mention the seed oils and all the things that that does to cause uh, metabolic problems and, and birth defects. So it's just a complete onslaught onto the experience of, of being human and having a child without arming yourself first. What, what are we eating? What is, what were you eating? What are you eating, mom? Um, what is it? And what's, what's it deficient in? And what does it have way too much of like these seed oils? And to, that is just like stepping up to a game of, of disease roulette, right? Or, you know, and just sticking a gun to your head and choosing something terrible for your child's outcome without arming yourself with the proper information and defending your health with the proper diet. You have to defend your health against the forces out here that really don't care on OPS. Kind of maybe they do care because they like it when you're sick, right? The hospital systems, do they make money when you're healthy? <laughs> right? I mean, just like all those things that this com the economy is running off of have to do with sickness. It's um, the health industry, the hospital industry, the insurance industry, health insurance industry. Um, they make money when people are sick because their parent companies are pharmaceutical companies. So you, cause like it might be the insurance systems, you might think, well, they're the one people that don't want the one industry that doesn't want people to be sick because they're the ones paying for it. Well, actually, the parent company um, of United Healthcare is um, Optima RX. That's crazy. <laughs> it's all yeah. they all hold hands with each other. Absolutely. Right. So, so the hospital is just like a way of drawing customers in for the parent company to make sure that they're going to be on medications for life. 
Yeah. And I see that in so many other um, places as well. I know I talked to Dr. Ben Bickman um, last week and he basically had a lot of similar things to say um, on and off camera when we were just chatting. Um, and it's kind of a crazy thing. And he's like, the scientists are doing their research and they're putting actual good information out there, but sometimes the healthcare profession is not taking it in. <laughs> Right, they are. There's a minority of scientists who are doing really great work, and and the healthcare profession does not get um, doesn't get that information because it's it's like a screened. The journals that we read, most of them come out by you know a lot of them on heart health come out are published by the American Heart Association. And the American Diabetes Association is the same story. They have a lot of publications. These are the things that are driving the medical thought process and the medical conversation, and they themselves have conflicts of interest. There was a lot of publicity not too long ago about the influence of pharmaceutical companies in doctors' ed education, but that, that influence where drug company representatives would come in and wine and dine the doctors and pay for lunch and tell us, okay, we use this uh, high blood pressure drug or this cholesterol medication instead of that other one. That is like such a small piece of the puzzle. The bigger problem is that we're going to send, put patients on any cholesterol drug or any high pressure medication because we don't know how else to prevent heart, heart disease and strokes. Oh, and PS, that's not really, they don't work very well. They don't really work hardly at all. And they have tons and tons of side effects. And so like the, it all ties back to this first lie though from the American Heart Association about eating more seed oils because you take seed oils out of your diet. If you right now don't know what you're eating, start looking 80% seed oils, cut that down to um, zero and all of a sudden you're gonna have more energy, you're going to have less cravings for sugar, you're gonna lose weight. And um, if you have hypertension or diabetes, um, those things are going to go away. And as far as your arteries are concerned, um, the cholesterol number doesn't tell you what you need to know about your arterial health, but the amount of seed oils that you're consuming determines something called oxidized LDL, whether or not your LDL is oxidized. The LDL is the so-called bad cholesterol. It's not bad unless it's oxidized, but the seed oils oxidize it. So that's how the seed oils actually cause heart attacks. So I mean, the irony is just like insane. They're piled on top of each other here. We've got the American Heart Association saying, don't eat saturated fat, eat these seed oils, which cause oxidized cholesterol, which is actually the cause of heart attacks. And the, the doctors have all these other weird alternative explanations, but it's really just as simple as that, what I just said. Yeah, and so many other processes, right? So how do polyunsaturated fats affect people's ability to burn their own fat. So it, uh, it's fascinating because it all starts with the mitochondria, these little powerhouses of our cells. So every single cell in our body is like, it's so complicated and intricate. It's amazing. Um, and they have their own little um, power factories. It's kind of like a city. Um, the power factories in your cell are called mitochondria. Um, so mitochondria need certain fuels. They, they don't do well with just any fuel. Um, and they do really terribly with polyunsaturated fatty acids, it turns out. Um, 
But when our body, when our diets are so high in these things, they build up, the seed oils build up in our body fats and specifically the type of oil, the type of fat I'm talking about, it's a fatty acid, it's called polyunsaturated fatty acid as opposed to saturated fatty acid or mono, like which olive oil is famous for that. So the polyunsaturated fatty acids, um, are, they build up in our body fat, you know, the more that we've been eating, the higher their percentages in our body fat. Once it gets to a certain threshold, because they're unstable, we get inflammatory body fat. And because they're unstable, when the body fat releases them into the bloodstream as to, to be the fuel, um, the mitochondria can't actually produce energy when they're trying to burn these things. And so the cell, that little city says, uh, the mayor says, I'm not getting enough fuel here when we're burning body fat, right? That's determined by your hormones, whether or not you're burning body fat or the um, energy that was from your last meal um, that is in your bloodstream. Um, well, what's always in your bloodstream is a little bit of sugar. So the cells start to get more and more efficient at slurping that little bit of sugar out of your bloodstream because at least when they're burning sugar, it doesn't shut the mitochondria down. These polyunsaturated fatty acids, they just shut the mitochondria down. Um, there's one study that was done in Italy that was like the most important study done ever on the planet that, that they tested the different fuels, fat fuels for mitochondria. Saturated fat does fine. Monounsaturated fat does even a little bit better. Polyunsaturated fat shuts the thing down. They stop producing uh, the, 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 the energy in about 20 minutes. And um, depending on like the kind of polyunsaturated fats, omega-3 fatty acids are even worse than omega-6. Like we hear about omega-3 in fish oil, you got to supplement. Well, as far as a fuel for your cells, it's worse than omega-6. So anyway, so you've got these cells that are now, because they are desperate for energy, they're trying to suck as much sugar out of the bloodstream as possible. Um, what does that happen? What does that do to your overall blood sugar level? it's going to go down. Right. And, and your brain needs either sugar or ketones. And so unless you're producing ketones and very few people are these days, cause we eat so all the time, your brain is going to panic about that blood sugar level going down and it's going to make you hungry. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. So this is why we overeat. We are being forced to overeat by all these seed oils. So Dr. Kate, that kind of made my brain uh, have a thought here. And that was when people are trying to go ketogenic and they're trying to um, lose weight that way, a lot of them, I know there's a, many contributors to pe what people call the keto flu. Um, but my wonder is, is because of the quality of fat they have to burn is so poor, is that contributing to the overall lack of energy that they're explaining they have and, and, and the, the general feeling of malaise and not doing well, because so many people give up on a ketogenic diet before they ever even really give it a try because they end up so sick from it. Yes, it is exactly why. And not, not everyone's healthy enough to do it. I mean, it's a great diet, but guess what? It's not everyone's ready to do it. You know, you know what else is really good for you? You know, uh, running uh, three or four miles a couple days a week. That's really good for you. Not everyone's in a place where they could do that. Some people, mm -hmm. you know, they're too heavy or they're, 
their joints are too, um, you know, unhealthy. Not everyone can do something that's good for them, right? You have to get yourself to that state where you are healthy enough to do that keto diet. And that's what, that's like almost the whole reason I wrote the fat burn fix, because I was finding patient after patient where they were just saying, I don't feel good. I, I did the keto diet. I got past the keto flu, but then I just started feeling worse. Um, and, um, and, and it's because their body fat is still loaded with these polyunsaturated fatty acids and they can't go full on burning body fat. They need sugar sometimes. And so that's what I have. Um, I have two phases in the fat burn fix plan where I help people to focus on losing weight. The first phase is all about getting your body to the point where you can know how much carb to cut out, where you're cutting enough out, but not too much, right? Because carbs can carbs can have a lot of nutrition. And so I encourage people to have just the kind of carbs that are the most nutritious um, or that like, if you really need like a little bit of fruit to have something else really, really healthy, um, just a little bit. Like I don't tell people you need hundred percent and you don't even need to do a keto diet to follow what I recommend. You'll get there eventually without it, right? But the whole point of the keto diet is um, really, it's not so much about your ketone level. Um, it's really about burning your body fat. That's really, in, in my opinion, that's the real benefit. It, it's a diet that helps your hormones uh, release, get into to the state where your body fat is now being released for fuel. But if you are hormonally damaged, that's not going to happen. And so that, those are the folks, I, I teach people how to like determine whether or not they're ready for that keto diet and how to get there if they want to do it or what else you want, you can do instead that's going to get you the same benefits. Absolutely. I love that. So what would be the first step that people need to take? Obviously removing uh, seed oils from their, from their diet is a big one, but what are some other steps they can take and how long can they expect for it to take for this to become effective? Because many people I find are giving up on things months in when you have spent years and years putting the damage on your body and now you want this instant fix. And unfortunately it doesn't happen that way. I know, um, just a little side note here. When I, I wasn't, I didn't know I was actually sick and I switched the gaps diet for other reasons back in the, like a long time ago. And that's when I found my health. Right. And I remember it saying specifically that you need to stay on that diet for at least 12 to 16 months minimum strictly in order to heal your gut. And I was like, I'm doing this. We're doing this. Within weeks, we saw results. And there were so many temptations along this journey, right? Where we wanted to eat at a barbecue or do something with our friends, but we straight up just said, no, we're not doing that right now. We stuck with the diet a solid 16 months and I'm not going to I'm not, it saved my life and my health and changed everything about my lifestyle and my thinking. And so things are not going to happen overnight. And I want my listeners to know that right now. Um, but what, how long can, would you say would be a number for them to um, start to implement this strictly and how long before they start to see some kind of result? So other than avoiding the seed oils to answer your question, so the, getting the right kind of fats in, and especially at breakfast, because if you do that on that day one there, you're going to notice that you have more energy, less brain fog by lunch. And, um, and then usually what happens is when people get in a groove, like say you can just like 
buy all the things that have the healthy fats, the, then what I call the slow digesting carbohydrates, um, and uh, you know, get plenty of protein. In probably two weeks, you're going to feel just overall, you're going to wake up and you're, you're going to have less stiffness in your body. You're going to notice less inflammation, less bloating. If you have swelling in your legs, that's going to be diminished. You're going to have much better ability to concentrate all day. You're going to have a lot less fatigue in that late afternoon slump when a lot of people come home from work and they're like so exhausted, they can't even think about dinner. That's going to improve. It starts to improve. And usually by six months, people say, I cannot believe how much better I feel. Like people say things like, I feel better in my fifties than I did in my twenties. I mean, it's it, by six months, you start getting to that point. And then it still keeps getting better. Like for another year or, or two, it depends how long it takes to get the seed oils out of your body. Like, and that's all about like how aggressive you are about avoiding them and eating more healthy fats. Um, and because you're basically you're cleansing your body fat of these toxins that have been with you for years, and you're finally getting them out and enabling your metabolism to function. But I want to just ask or, or point out or ask when you do the GAPS diet, it that's free of vegetable oils, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, there's nothing processed in it at all. It's 100%. Um, it, it is what it is. Like ingredient reads, <laughs> ingredients uh coconut oil or you know like it's straight right. up straight <laughs> up that can be the ingredient you have to know what it is um otherwise basically you're not eating it and that you're not going to go anywhere and eat out anything that um is available on the gaps diet i mean it's just not happening right right so like that's one of the many benefits of the gaps diet and there's a lot of different diets out there that get people off seed oils and i believe that's the main reason that they help like a lot of folks say well i went you know whole food vegan and that helped me a lot well so i you know if you're vegan it's very difficult to get um like three of the four pillars that i talk about um but you know especially protein um, it's hard to get protein. You can't get bone broth. You don't get organ meats. Um, you can, you know, if you're vegan, you can, there's a ways to do it. It's just a lot harder, but um, you whole food vegans uh, don't do seed oils either. Right. And so maybe it's getting those seed oils out. That's made you feel good. And maybe you can go back to eating real foods if you want to more diversity of them, if you want to. And the same with folks who go gluten-free, like um, especially before there was all these gluten-free processed foods, which there are now um, people would say, Oh, I went gluten-free and I feel great. Well, okay. Yeah. Nobody avoids gluten, right? You can't just avoid gluten. It's a, it's a component of wheat and wheat is a component of like meals, mm -hmm. <laughs> like junk food meals, right? You're not eating pizza. You're not um, having uh, any pasta, which is usually loaded with, you know, seed oil uh, instead of marinara sauce made with olive oil, right? So you are staying away from seed oils. And again, I bring this up, not to say that there's not value to those diets, but to say that for a lot of folks who are doing them because it was their introduction or a friend did it and it really helped them, you may not need to be that restrictive. And, and I think that's an important message for everyone because it's hard enough to eat real food and just find it. But if you're restricting out anything with any gluten 
or, you know, you can't even have a sprout of grain bread. If you are restricting out, you know, say you went on a FODMAPS diet, right? You're restricting out onions and garlic. Well, maybe if you had also cut out seed oils as part of that whole experiment to see if they would, it would help you stay off the seed oils, but maybe start adding some of the other things that you've been missing back. Now I find that most people can do, add in a lot more than they thought. I love that. So what are some of the main fats that you recommend people consume? Um, I know I tell a lot of people animal fats are great if they're grass fed and well taken care of. Cause there's another side of that coin, right? Like a lot of the meats that you're buying at the grocery store are grain fed and the fat is completely different than it's like consuming your own toxic fat and trying to use it for, for energy, I guess is one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a great way to put it. So yeah, you have to add fat because most of the meats are, are relatively fat free. I mean, pork, you can still get bacon, sausage, but you know, chicken and a lot of the cuts of uh, the, the filet. And so they're totally fat free. Um, so butter, um, and I usually do stress, it's super important to get um, grass fed if that's available to you. Um, and and the high fat, all the high fat dairy, so like cheese and sour cream and, and um, uh, cream cheese and, you know, lovely things like brie cheese um, and the half and half in your coffee, so simple. Um, and then avocados, or if you're, you know, if you're a vegetarian, um, the higher fat fruits and nuts like coconut and macadamia nuts and, you know, peanut, peanut butter, um, almonds, uh, just like any of the higher fat, it's basically nuts and seeds. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and then, um, I feel like there's one other thing that I always recommend. Well, the, the higher fat meats. So if you do get bacon, save the grease and, um, use that to fry your eggs, right? Eggs are, an, eggs are another one, obviously. Um, but save that bacon grease and you can even like do it, um, as like a warm dressing over spinach salad. It's really delicious. I've gotten hooked on duck fat. <laughs> uh, I've been doing that a lot between that and grass fed butter. I'm an addict. I'm pretty sure <laughs> you can fry <laughs> things up pretty nice in duck fat and it tastes amazing. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, that sounds great. I've, um, we tried that for a few things, but we don't get it very often. <laughs> it's super expensive. That's the downside <laughs> to the duck fat. Um, but who doesn't love butter? I'm a huge fan of butter myself. So uh, I do okay with that too. I mean, I put a healthy serving before I put my eggs in the pan. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, so Dr. Kate, is there anything else that we want to get out there to listeners? Um, well, oh, one thing I did want to bring up now that I'm going off track here is flax oil. So many people think that, that that's a recipe for health. And boy, I just saw a recipe posted on Instagram the other day out of a health food cookbook. And, it, and the first thing it had was flax oil in it. Can you kind of tell us a little bit about that? Well, flax oil is not something that's great to cook with because heat, um, the whole reason we supplement, some people supplement with this because of the omega-3, but omega-3 is so heat sensitive. That's it's unstable. That's the problem with all the poofas is that they're unstable and heat makes them even more unstable. So I wouldn't cook with it if you're doing that. Now, if you, if you're not able to get omega threes any other way, like if you say you don't do grass fed dairy, um, and you just don't like the nuts that have omega three, like walnuts and you don't do fish, um, then it's a decent supplement, but you're going to 
need to not heat that thing. It's not going to be good for you after you heat it. it just Got polymerizes. It. Got it. So anything else we need to get out there to my listeners? Um, how about how to get in contact with you if they want to look more into your work? Um, also, maybe your books. Yeah, great. So my website is drkate.com and that's dr. Kate with a C, D-R-C-A-T-E, and no dot after the doctor. Um, and that has all the information on my books, which are, which are just a, a really great resource, I think, because it, it, I, I, I want to help people kind of rethink things so that they don't feel like there's conflicting information, so that they feel grounded. And that was my whole point in writing them. There's a lot of science in them. So if you like science, if you enjoy reading, if you like history, um, if you like nature, you're going to love the books. But um, I also have a lot of information for free on my website, the good fats and bad, the shopping list, um, and smart supplementation, supplements that I recommend um, and I'm involved with a, a um, company that has a, um, a collagen supplement because uh, so many people want the benefits of collagen, but they just don't have the time to drink bone broth or, or make it. So I decided that um, I w really wanted to help this company make the right kind of bone broth. So I do that too. It's called CB supplements and that's all available. Information is all available on my website. Awesome. Well, I will put all of that in the show notes so that I, it, all my listeners can just go click on it and go right straight to it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yes, I certainly appreciate your time and talking with me today. It's been a pleasure. <laughs> Likewise. I like your whole get up there. It's so like hip. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that. I work on that. I mean, you know, <laughs> who I'm trying to keep things consistent, be a good, you know, influencer. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. <laughs> All right. You have an awesome day. Thanks. You too. Thanks for Well, friends, that wraps up my episode with Dr. Kate. I'm so thankful that she decided to join me today to share all of her information and knowledge that she has, especially because she is such a busy lady. So thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kate, for that. As I said in the beginning of the podcast, you can find her at drkate.com. And if you want to look for that shopping list, I have all of those links in my show notes. So go ahead and go on over there. And you can give me a follow on Instagram at Connie Begani. I would love to hear from you guys. Any ideas, feedback, um, things you want to know about the podcast or questions you might have that have arisen after the podcast, I'm happy to try to answer them for you. And I just love to communicate with all of you guys. So feel free to reach out anytime. DM me on Instagram or visit my website, ConnieNightingale.com. And you guys, if you liked this episode and you found value in it, please head on over, leave me a review. I would appreciate that ever so much. It helps me out immensely. And also, if you do that right now and you take a screenshot of it and put it in your Instagram stories, you can win big. I have a big package that I am giving away that has L. Russ's book in it. It has stuff from Wild Foods, all sorts of amazing things. So I'm looking forward to giving that away. Just go ahead, leave me a written review, screenshot it in your Instagram stories, and I will get you put on the list. I will be giving that away for the mid-January episode, and I am so excited. All right, guys, thank you so much. Until next time. <laughs>